Welcome into another edition of the Dane and Victory podcast, only available on musketeerreport.com. I am Rick, and you guys know Dan and the legend Brian Snow. The Musketeers are 3 0 after beating Jacksonville, Siena, and Missouri all at the Cintas Center. And we'll talk about those games. I think there was good and there was bad from from all three of them. And we kind of know what the bad is already, but I want to start with the good. And uh, I think the first place you start is with the defense that they've played so far. Snow, looking back over the recent history of the team, can you think of another Xavier team that has looked like this on the defensive end? It's been a while, that's for sure. The team that immediately comes to mind is uh, the team, the the year, I can't remember what year it was, but it was Sean's final year at Xavier. Uh they were starting like CJ Dante Jackson was the point guard. It was the year he hit the shot in Puerto Rico to win it from half court or wherever. Uh, that team was really good defensively and really hard to watch offensively early on. And th- this team kind of reminds me of that. That was the 2008, 2009 team that lost a narrow sweet 16 game to Pittsburgh, I believe. Yes. And Snow, they, yeah, and you, you mentioned, uh, and the statistics obviously bear that out. They were 12th in the country in defensive efficiency uh, and 7th in the country in uh, opponents' effective field goal range, so that, or field goal percentage, I should say. So that was, a, that was an elite defensive team. I'm a wealth of knowledge over here. Yeah, so far through uh, 249 possessions total that this team has played on the defensive end, they've allowed 178 points, so that's .72 points per possession overall. The best team in the country last year was VCU, and these these aren't adjusted for strength of schedule or anything like that. These are just raw. Um, VCU gave up .77 points per possession last year, um, and they were the best in the country Reigning national champions, Virginia, gave up .81, just to sort of give you an idea of of where Xavier's at in terms of their start this season. Obviously, they haven't played any really talented offensive teams, um, but it's it's been pretty darn good. And it's not just, you know, the fact that they're big and athletic and they're beating up on teams. You're seeing them talk. You're seeing them communicate. The, The newcomers whether it be the freshmen, although there's been a few mistakes there, um, or the grad transfers, they seem to know what where they're supposed to be and understand the system, and the chemistry overall seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean, really, there's not much to nitpick. Their defense are rebounding really well. They're switching pretty darn well. And truth be told, I think if you really broke it down, a lot of the the numbers in terms of you know, Siena and um, the other crappy team they played. Jacksonville. Yeah. A lot of those points were scored when a lot of walk-ons were in. When right. the starters have been in the game, it's been ridiculous. I think uh, one one addition, I, I think we have to talk about Bryce Moore when we talk about this, although the whole team has been really locked in on defense. He has brought, in my view, a different uh, – like taking it to a different level when he's in the game because he just absolutely harasses his man all over the court. He puts so much effort in on the defensive end that you can almost see that he energizes the other guys on the court that if they see that guy selling out to the, to the extent that he is, they want to play that hard as well. And uh, he is just a menace for opposing teams. I mean, every time he comes into a game, it seems like a turnover follows pretty quickly. So 
adding him, I mean, he's been as advertised from that from that aspect of his game. Really, his whole game has been as advertised. He's uh, he's shown. I mean, he's only hit three three point shots in eight attempts, but he he is the quintessential three and D guy, and uh, he's shown so far that he really uh, pushes this team up a level defensively. Yeah, I think that's right, and the, the tone setting part of it I think is important Dan he he has done that I think the way he sells out and the intensity he plays with is contagious um, I would say though in the Missouri game especially in the second half he had some issues guarding his man one-on-one and keeping the ball out of the lane so um, there were a few concerns there but overall his defense has been very good and overall I think he's he's been a bright spot just in general the fact that he hasn't turned the ball over yet I think is, is huge for this team because that's exactly what they needed out of his role you know, is just take your open shots when you get them, but don't try to do too much and contribute to the, the turnover problem that sometimes plagues this team when they're at their worst. Yeah, I mean, he he's done what they've asked. There, there's no question about it. The staff's really comfortable with him. They like him in that role coming off the bench because he can bring energy. Like you said, against Missouri, he wasn't as good defensively as he has been. There's no doubt about that. But um, yeah, he's played his role perfectly. And that's how you win is when you have role players starring in their role. Yeah, a very small sample size, but he has the highest offensive rating currently on the team at 129.9. Another bright spot is the other grad transfer, Jason Carter. I mean, he, he got off to a slow start, you know, coming back from the injury. He didn't play much against Jacksonville, played a little bit more against Siena. You started to see him be a little more active, um, but he didn't. he wasn't a big factor on the glass. And... I think, you know, his best game so far has been against the only high major team they've played, and that was the Missouri game the other night. He showed the rebounding um, and sort of defensive chops that we heard about in the offseason. And uh, he's hit a few, you know, showed the touch at least a few times on the offensive end where he's he's gotten a bucket here and there as well. He also made just winning plays for Xavier down the stretch of that game, and especially in overtime. He had a huge offensive rebound, hit some foul shots, uh, you know, after a long period of time where Xavier just couldn't do anything on offense, he uh, he found a way. He and Paul Scruggs found ways to manufacture some points to get them on a nine-two run at the beginning of the overtime session and uh, and kill that game off. Yeah, I mean, he was the best player for Xavier, um, which is not really saying a whole lot because of how bad their best players generally were against Missouri. But I, I think as he gets healthy, a lot of things are going to happen. And he just makes he makes passes that no one else on the team can really make. And he does it in a different way. And they're going to run a lot more offense through him. And I think that should help in the, the offense and, and just kind of decision-making and, and things like that. So, And then on top of that, he's going to be a good rebounder. He's going to score on the low block. He's going to score in the mid-range. You know... I don't think anyone, certainly in the Cintas Center, is, has even a remote worry about Jason Carter. It's just a matter of getting his legs back under him, getting his conditioning back, getting the rust off. I mean, he didn't practice for an extended period of time. Yeah, and I think you know fans are really excited to get Kiki Tandy back in the mix, and everyone's craving a shooter and someone that can score from the perimeter. And I understand that, and I do think Kiki Tandy will help to an extent. But, Brian, I would argue that I think Jason Carter might be Xavier's best chance to improve on the offensive end overall for some of the things that you mentioned. His feel, the fact that they can play through him, um, some of the stuff he can do in the mid-range, whether it be scoring or making plays like high-low passes, things like that, 
I think that might open up more things for this Xavier offense where they really struggle to beat teams than than anything else they'll do, even even outside of Kiki Tandy coming in and, and hitting a few threes off the bench. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I, I think the biggest help will be when Paul Scruggs stops sucking offensively. Man, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. Like, Ryan, do, do you think they need to post Jason Carter up at all more? I mean, I think we saw a few possessions in that Missouri game where he scored pretty easily on the block. Is that something they should be looking to go to more? Depend, I think in the right matchup, yeah. Certainly more in Big East play because Big East teams tend to uh, have more perimeter-oriented foremen that aren't as comfortable defending a guy like Carter. So I tend to think that, you know, in league play, as weird as it sounds, he's going to be more effective on the post than he is maybe against a Missouri or against, you know, Florida might use a more traditional four at times. So I, but I think it, when you, you got to pick your matchups with him because he's so versatile, what you do is when he's got the bigger guy on him, you, you have him as a driver. When he's got the smaller guy on him, you have him as a postman. And then you kind of just go from there. Final bright spot I had noted down here was Zach Fremantle and what he's brought off the bench. I think the biggest things have just been his toughness and effort. He's averaging 4.7 rebounds in 16.7 minutes per game. Out of those 14 total rebounds he has, seven of them them are offensive. Um, And, Brian, it goes back to, you know, we talked about him when they were recruiting him and that second jump he has, which is kind of just a – sort of a special attribute to his game. He's not the best athlete in the world, but he gets off the floor quickly, and he's able to do it a second or third time when sometimes other guys aren't able to. And I think you've seen that on on the offensive glass particularly. Definitely. And he's going to keep getting better, and it's going to be a process at times. You know, he's never gone against this competition for an extended period, but I don't think there's really anything to worry about, and there's no doubt he's going to improve as the year goes along. Defensively, I think you've seen some some occasional struggles from him, especially in ball screens. Teams are attacking him a little bit, but I think that's something that we'll see improve pretty quickly because he actually has the lateral quickness. Um, it's more just understanding and recognition thing, uh, seeing what's coming ahead of time and being able to uh, process the information in real time and understand how he's supposed to react to each different situation, I think. Yeah, you don't worry about him having some sort of um, physical limitation that would keep him from being able to be effective in that role. It's just a matter of getting the reps and getting used to it. I mean, this isn't like a situation where you had like a Karen Canner or a uh, or or even a James Farr early in his career where he where there just wasn't the uh, the the lateral quickness or the ability to to defend at that level. I mean, Fremantle is going to be fine as far as that goes once he gets used to the uh, the system. Yeah. And, like, he's never had to, not even just, like, used to Xavier's system, but, like, used to, like, being accountable in ball screens. His main job in defending ball screens in high school is not the foul. You know, like, it's a little bit different in college. So, you know, it just takes time. He's, he's a freshman. You know, he's got to get better, but that it, it's not something that's ever expected of a freshman in game one or game two. I'm going to flip over to the other side and talk about the struggles the offense has had here. But uh, did, were there any other sort of bright spots that you guys want to bring up? Um, just the fact that I think they're competing on both ends at a really high level. Um, you know, effort, energy, you can't, you can't look. Outside of Tyreek Jones' first four minutes of the second half against Missouri, 
which was just embarrassing for Tyreek, if we're being honest. You know, there's never been a time where you're out, you're looking and say, man, these guys aren't playing hard. Now, it might not always be pretty, but they've been playing hard. So I think that's a bright spot is even when things are going bad, they're playing hard. Yeah, I mean, obviously the biggest problem is they can't hit water from a boat right now. Um, but, but yeah, Snow says there's a definite difference in the intensity level. Uh, you can just see it the way they play, the, the, the effort that they give on both sides of the ball, even when the shots aren't falling. There's a real difference between what we saw last year and what we're seeing this year so far. And uh, if that's the, and and I think what that demonstrates is one thing last year that we, we talked about a lot on this, on, on, on this show was like, what is Xavier's identity? Do they have an identity? Do they know what they want to be good at? What do they have to hang their hat on? And two thirds into the season, two thirds of the way into the season, the answer to that was they don't really have an identity except that they're maddeningly inconsistent at everything. Um, the last 10 games of last year, and then with this start this year, we're seeing an identity emerge of a team that is just a complete bear to score against, and that hopefully can be functional offensively enough to uh, to do enough to win games. And uh, and and that I, I think it's good that the team has an identity because I think that was such a problem for them last year because they couldn't figure out what they were supposed to be doing or 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 where they wanted to focus or anything else until they. F- until that that switch flip two thirds of the way through the season. Yeah, I think embracing that identity and you know being able to have fun and still enjoy and and look like they like Brian said are still competing at a high level even when they're playing so horrid offensively. I think is the biggest difference because last year they just looked discouraged, they looked defeated. Um, I don't think anyone was intentionally not trying. But at times it seemed that way. It seemed like they had given up, particularly in the second half of some of those ugly games, Missouri last year being one of them. So I do think we've seen a major improvement there. But let's flip over and talk about those struggles offensively. Um, They're averaging .83 points per possession currently. That's 249th in the country overall. Um, and to give you an idea of where it kind of but the best team in the country last year was Gonzaga at 1.08 points per possession. Um, and Xavier overall last year, 0.92 points per possession. That ranked 139th in the country. So they're already off to a much worse start than they had last season. And a, a big part of that is because they're not making any shots. They're shooting 20.6% from three-point range. That's 335th in the country, so not far off dead last. Um Brian, where where do you see the big aside from just the shots aren't going in? Where do you see the biggest problems being? And and I'm looking for maybe fixable problems as opposed to they got to make shots. Well, I think that is a fixable problem. I'll be honest with you. Right, but I mean, like, is there anything that you can look at and tell the guys, hey, you're doing wrong, as opposed to just eventually they'll go in? I I think they're getting the shots they want. I really do. Now, I know people are going to say, oh, Najee's taken a couple too many bad ones and Paul forced one or two. Your best players are going to force shots occasionally because if they don't, they're not being aggressive enough. You don't get a perfect shot every possession. It, it's just stupid. Um, so, yeah, I know people – and it's frustrating when nothing's going in. I get that. But when your best players aren't being aggressive, that's a bigger problem. I actually got a little concerned against Missouri. They seem to get a little gun-shy late in the second half passing up wide open looks and in a in a micro i get it 
But in the macro, that's a big problem, passing up open shots. And I think the biggest job for the staff right now is is just to keep giving those guys confidence, tell them, we want you taking open shots. They're going to go in. I mean, to me, it's asinine that people are like overreacting to 125 minutes of basketball. Virtually the same personnel that's out there now was out there last year. Ryan Wellich made 1.73s a game last year. Let's not act like he he hit 200 of them. They were a top 50 offense. Does it make a hell of a lot of sense that they're going to go from a top 50 offense to a sub 200 offense with virtually the same guys? Or is it they're just in a bad stretch? Well, what's been remarkable about it, though, is that it's been everybody. It's been pretty much everybody. Um, you know, Najee, small sample size, but Najee, 17%. Uh, Quentin Gooden's two for seven on the year, 28%. Scruggs, two for 12, 16%. Carter's one for five. Bishop, one for seven. Uh, Bryce Moore's the only guy that is three for eight, so he's got the, the best percentage on the team. So it's been like a team-wide phenomenon. And, you, and even in the Missouri game, when they were playing well in the first half, there were a couple stretches where, like, Jason Carter and Bryce Moore, who are guys that you would expect to be pretty good from the, the perimeter, got wide open looks, perfect looks, pristine looks, and bricked them. Um, so it's affecting the entire team right now. Uh, and so I, I and I don't know what the answer is other than what Snow said, which is to just keep pumping these guys full of confidence and 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 convince them that they've still got to take these shots because the one thing they cannot do is to change the basics of their offense in order to 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 uh, to try to mask this issue because it, it's just not going to work. You, it, you have a team whose strength is guys like Marshall Scruggs and Gooden's ability to get into the paint. And if you go away from that or if you let the defense pack in and cut that, that ability to drive to the lane off, then you have nothing at all to do on offense. And you end up with a situation like say the UC game last year where they were, they just had, they were just completely clueless. They had no capacity to attack the other team's defense because the only thing they were good at was taken away. So I, they got to keep shooting. Um, I'm going to keep covering my eyes when they shoot, but at some point they're going to come out of it because they're not going to shoot 21% all year. Uh, it is a little ominous that this isn't just the three regular season games. And I know we can, you know, the, the importance of these other games is, is questionable. But, I mean, they shot terribly from three against Indy, and they shot terribly from three against Akron. So it's like 205 minutes of quasi-competitive basketball. They've been throwing up bricks. But the, the worm will turn at some point. Nobody is this bad for this long. So I, I think Snow's right. I don't think there's much you can do to change it. And let's make it clear. The last thing they should do, is shoot 17-foot jumpers like Richard Skinner suggests. That's the single dumbest thing I've ever heard in the history of basketball. Because if you're not making them from 21 feet, you're also not making them from 17 feet. And it's worth, uh, you know, you get a 50% deduction there. It's stupid. Don't do that. Snow, the problem some of the the fans are going to have with the way you're, you're so dismissive of Xavier's offensive issues is that they were top 50 in the country, but it wasn't good enough last year. Like they made, they missed the NCAA tournament. They had too many meltdowns in important moments. The offense didn't function at a high enough level with these same guys. So while I agree with you, it's probably not going to be worse in terms of their metrics. 
there does need to be improvements. And some of that will just be them locking in on the defensive end and being more consistent there like they were late in the season when they were seemed to be a pretty good competitive team in the Big East. But they do need to be better offensively. And like you can make you can say, okay, most of these are good shots and you can deal with a bad shot occasionally. And and most of these turnovers are coming as a result of how teams are playing them and none of them are terrible turnovers. But at the end of the day, when it's consistently a problem, you consistently have too many bad shots that don't make any Where's sense. Where's been the turnover problem this year? Where's it been? Well, in the Missouri game, they like Quentin Gooden cannot have a, a assist rate of ten point five and a turnover rate of thirty point seven. Like that can't well, happen. And and I understand like there are excuses, and it's not like he's been terrible, but you can't just continue to make excuse after excuse. We did that all of last season. It wasn't good no, enough. No, 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 Rick, that's wrong. First of all, you can't have a good assist rate if no one can make a shot. This is true, but it like it that can't happen. It just the offense isn't good enough if that's what your point guard's assist to turnover rate is. Okay, but if your point guard turns it over six times, that's a problem. Five of them were terrible. One of them wasn't his fault. That's a problem. I right. agree. He can't just throw the ball out of bounds twice. Right, and but, Najee can't have the past few games that he's had in terms of plays where he just completely checks out. Yes, he can take a bad shot occasionally because you want him to to be doing so because he's the best player on your team, but you can't have some of the shots that he takes and some of the turnovers that he has. Like, you just can't. Yes, but again, in the micro shirt, that those little things, they've turned the ball over 20% of the time. That's perfectly okay against Missouri, and it's been better the other two games. Where the hell's the turnover problem? I don't, I'm not saying it's like some wide-sweeping issue through three games this year against bad competition. What I am saying is, in important moments, all of last year there were there were issues, and then in important moments we've seen this year, like they went, what, eight minutes without scoring, and they were turning the ball over during that stretch, and some of them were just no, they throwing they the ball out of bounds. They turned it over five bounce. times in the second half in overtime. So clearly that wasn't the problem. I mean, I just watched them throw the ball twice out of bounds today. Najee did it once and Quentin did it once, yes, but there was no they, one there. Sorry, they were not perfect in their execution, Rick. Uh, You're right. I mean, Brian, you defend this stuff so hard. Like, are you their parents? They or what? turned it over five times in 25 minutes of basketball. Okay, you're right. The offense is perfect. They'll, they've never done anything wrong. You are No, they're not making shots. But if you turned it over five more times to it in 25 that, minutes of basketball, that's not a problem. It's not. I hate it when mom and dad fight. I just don't get how you can say, oh, turnover problem. That's why you score for eight. Brian, quit taking everything out of context. Like, that's part of an overall argument. That's exactly what you just said. It's part of an overall argument. It's not the only part of it. Like, if you don't think this team has had an issue with turnovers over the last year plus, I think you'd, you'd be wrong. Yes, last year they had a turnover problem. Okay, and there were some issues in the Missouri game, which is the only close game they've had this year as well. So, uh, and that's not the I only issue. I don't think issue. they did. They had a, they they turned it over at a twenty percent rate. That's fine. Okay, there are some possessions that I don't feel are valued the way they should be by this team occasionally, and I think they could do better with that. Um, any anything else in terms of the offense or what has gone wrong for this team that you'd like to address? Tyreek Jones has to play better than he. I mean. He's probably the most consistent guy on the roster. And from the opening tip against Missouri, something was off. I don't know what it was. I guess it was just one of those days. But, man, was he bad in every single aspect. Was he and just jacked up because of the 
because he knew it was a big matchup with Tillman? And do you think he just got overexcited and then took himself out of the game mentally? Because, I mean, he's done that before. I mean, he's Jeremiah Tillman. He's not Shaq. Still, it's the first real competition he's dealt with this year, so I don't know. Uh, if he hadn't started for three years, maybe, but, like, this dude's played against good post players before. Yeah. I don't know what it I mean, like, that stretch at the beginning of the second half where he just decided he wasn't even going to run the court and couldn't catch a basketball and then threw a missile off the backboard that I thought was going to break it, like, that was ridiculous. I've never seen anything like that from him. I think uh, I think Paul Scruggs uh, looked pretty good against Missouri in terms of the way he was moving. I know he had missed the previous game with the with the knee bruise, and uh, it was nice to see him pop up with a couple big buckets in overtime. Rick, I thought uh, he kind of took the bull by the horns uh, after Xavier had struggled so terribly in the second half, and uh, and took a lot of the weight on his shoulders in overtime to. Uh, to see it through. Yeah, I mean, Paul has missed a game. He he hasn't been nearly aggressive enough or nearly a big enough a part of this offense to this point, but it's kind of an incomplete grade so far for, for him because he really ha- has, hasn't been himself yet. Um, so I think that will have as big of an impact on Xavier's offense over the next few weeks as anything as we see him sort of get get back to, to full strength. And, and you saw some of that in the second half against Missouri. I do think he has to be more aggressive in looking for his jumper because, again, you have Najee Marshall by far leading this team in attempts, and uh, Paul Scruggs isn't, isn't anywhere close to that. So um, it'll be interesting to see where his aggressiveness is in, in the next few games. Yeah, I mean, Paul, I guess he had what? I think – I don't know if you were at practice, Rick. I heard on Monday – I heard he basically had half a practice on Monday. Yeah. He, and, mm-hmm. you know, half a practice in, over the course of a week, you're going to be off. And you could see it early. Paul wasn't – he wasn't on. He, you know, And I think he was probably mentally guarding his knee or ankle or whatever it is a little bit. And then as he got loosened up and he realized, all right, I am feeling good, I think that's when you saw his game take off. So I think it should continue to get better for Paul. And he's probably the most important player, like you said, Rick, on the roster in terms of improving this offense because he can make an open shot. He's, a, he's probably the best finisher around the rim, him or Najee in terms of, you know, doing what they do off of a drive. So I think he's a big key to getting this going. And I think if he gets it going a little bit, it's kind of going to spread. And I think that'll help not, it takes some pressure off Najee and he might be a little bit more efficient. All right, let's take a look at what's coming up for the Musketeers. And uh, tomorrow night, we're recording this on Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow night, they'll take on Missouri State, who Brian Snow has going to the Final Four this year. Um, has it as a definite loss at home at the Centos Center. I Elite do, eight. Let's not let's not exaggerate. I do think this is a better opponent than they've seen, you know, in their other bye games with Siena and Jacksonville. I, I think the issue for Missouri State is sort of similar to Siena and Jacksonville. Their guards aren't going to be big enough and athletic enough to do what they need to do against Xavier's guards. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's a lot of problems, but. Yeah. Um, well, I, I mean, what I'm saying great. is I like their wings and forwards. Like, Keandre yeah. Cook can really shoot, can really score. Lamont West is coming from West Virginia, gives them some versatility and size at the forward. Tulio De Silva, I think, is an all-conference player for them. Like, they've got some guys in that front court and the wing that can play a little bit. But 
when I look at their point guard situation and, and the guys who are going to be handling the ball for them, I think it's going to be tough for them to initiate the offense with the way Xavier's backcourt has been playing on the defensive end. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the other thing is they got a lot of transfers, grad transfers. They're still figuring life out, to put it mildly, right now. Yeah, I mean, they dropped their, their season opener at home to Little Rock. They've won two since then against a really bad Alabama State team and a really bad Cleveland State team. Um, and they're a team, you know, they don't defend very well at all. That's not really their MO. They're planning on scoring some points and, and shooting the basketball. The problem is they're not shooting well at all right now. They're shooting 31.3% from deep as a team as well. So, But they're holding their opponents to 21.4% from three, which means I don't even want to know what Xavier could shoot against them. Yes, this is going to be one of those games where X hits like 12 threes, I have D- a feeling. Dan, part of that is because most teams are just getting to the rim at will and not taking any threes <laughs> against them. They are, their defense is very bad from what I've seen so far. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Like, that's the problem. Like, I have a lot of respect for Dana Ford, the head coach at, at Missouri State. But that's the problem. Like, what, what is it, Rick? Maybe seven or eight new guys are on the roster. And you're trying to throw guys who have played all different systems together and play as a cohesive unit defensively. That ain't going to happen for a little while. Yeah, I mean, they're relying on multiple freshmen, multiple transfers, a grad tra- – you know, I mean, it's they've got a lot of new pieces. So they're still figuring out – oh, and they're, uh, the guy they're expecting to be their best player, big man, 6'8", 250, um, low-post scorer coming out of the JUCO ranks, he's been hurt. And it's like a mysterious injury that Dana Ford hasn't said anything about. Um, it's just sort of been a game-by-game situation. So we're not expecting – Mysterious injury? Well, they've played three, so he might be available. We don't know. He it's it's game by game. <laughs> I don't know. It, Are you uh, implying that where there's smoke, there's fire? I'm just look, saying. In I'm, the past, a lot of guys have missed three games at the beginning of the season. I'm not sure right. if he tested positive for an injury or if <laughs> it was diagnosed. But what I'm saying is, he could turn up in this game. But again, that's a whole other new piece who hasn't played with the team yet. So. We yeah. will see what we get out of Missouri State. I actually think because Xavier shot the ball so poorly to this point in the season, this is going to be a game where they get right a little bit, make a few shots inside the Centos Center, and, and roll in this one. Oh, and Dan, Dan and his dad are going to be going bonkers up in 216 when they see a couple threes go in. Oh, you better believe it. Look, Dan and his dad don't go bonkers unless the team is struggling. And then that's when they really get riled up and and get to communicate. No, I was I had a I thought they I was actually quite enjoyed the Missouri game, even though it was awful to watch. It was uh, it was very exciting. I was pumped. Dan, you you, you have to like the foul shooting. They shot him well when tired. I don't, yeah, I, I'm not one of those people that gets real exercised about the foul shooting. There's a, that's everybody else in my section. Yeah, that's your father. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, to, to me, it's more important that you get to the line a bunch of times because you'll make most of them at some point. Um, but, yeah, so so then they'll have, they'll have Missouri State, which ends this little uh, four-game uh, homestand to start the season, and then it's straight into the holiday tournament uh, against Towson on Thursday, and then uh, the winner of UConn and someone else, who I assume UConn will beat on Friday night, they did lose to a god awful St. John's team last, or St. Joe's team last night. That is true. So that's that, that's a little. Maybe I'm speaking too soon. Um, but yeah. So uh, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I mean, if they can get uh, 
two wins on those first two days, they have a chance potentially for a final in that tournament against Florida, who's an excellent team uh, and would be a nice opportunity for Xavier. Um, uh, uh, be a nice opportunity for a resume building win. If they could get it and a loss, it wouldn't hurt you too bad. Yeah. And I think that's, that's a game that could be really interesting for this team because it's neutral site. You know, it's what third game in four days, weird schedule type of thing. One of those holiday tournaments and defense is something that travels. Like if this team continues to play with that type of intensity, I think they're going to be sort of similar to how last year's team was when, when they're at their best and they're locked in and playing their hardest, they can compete with almost anyone in the country because of their, their talent and size and athleticism. At the same time, their offense and their lack of skill will keep a lot of teams that probably shouldn't be in the game in the game with them. So I'd be interested to see them get that opportunity to play against Florida. Uh, UConn actually plays Buffalo in the first game, which um, could be a little bit tricky for them, although Buffalo's not not as good as they've been the last couple of years. Yeah, but Buffalo's not very good. By the way, shouts to my guy, Kobe McEwen. You guys clowned on him. He won Marquette the game last night. I want to get that in the pot. Cool. <laughs> strong, strong face. Hashtag strong faces. Yeah, strong faces. Great take. All right, you've been listening to another edition of the Data Victory Podcast, only available on musketeerreport.com. For the legend, Brian Snow and Dan, I'm Rick. Thanks for listening, everyone.